You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on weei.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and Bobby Orr! Orr! For the first time in 39 years... The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Hey, Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 59 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Scott McLaughlin and Bridget Pru, and we're going to recap the first two days of NHL free agency and the state of the Bruins um, after such period. So just to quickly recap um, the losses and additions, the Bruins lost Sean Corrali to Columbus. Uh, they're likely going to lose Kasha and Richie to uh, elsewhere. Um and uh, uh, Vladar got traded away to Calgary for a third-round draft pick, and then the Bruins re-signed Mike Riley. They signed Derek Forbert, who's a third-pairing left-shot defenseman. Then they sign up front Eric Halla, Thomas Nosek, Nick Foligno. So their bottom six is it has an abundance of, of, of solid players, and we haven't even talked about like internal players that could have fought for positions there too. And then they signed Linus Olmark to a four-year, $20 million contract in goal. So a lot going on, probably the most active team. Scott, let's start with you. Was your head spinning when uh, uh, the yeah, day ended, or what's going on? Especially trying to cover it all, write it all up for the website. It was like one after another all day long. Scott writing like <laughs> seven articles per day. Yeah, like... Guys, like, slow down a little. Let me, like, finish one blog post first. But, yeah, uh, yeah obviously, extremely active. They clearly uh, clearly targeted depth. I think, you know, people were looking for, are they going to make some sort of impact move? Are they going to, you know, spend big money? And, look, Linus Allmark, four years, $20 million is pretty big money. That That's the one place I think we didn't expect them to spend a lot of money. So we'll get into that. But, uh Defense, yeah, end up being bringing back Riley and signing forward, both three years, three million a year deals. And then up front, you know, it wasn't a number two center. It wasn't uh, another top six wing. It was, you know, essentially a rebuilt third line. And we knew that that was something they had to do because that was obviously an issue in the postseason last year was their offensive depth. They got almost nothing from their bottom six. So they did revamp that. Uh, but now it's all eyes on on what happens with David Krejci because this team, as constructed right now, does n- still not have a clear number two center. And there is still no clear answer on what's going to happen with Krejci. Um, if he's back, they need to move out salary somehow because they are now right up against the cap after all their moves on Wednesday. So it, it's like... We're, we're obviously we're going to be trying to break this team down, but it's like you almost have to break it down if Krejci's two back ways. And, and if he's not, because they're two completely different teams. They're two completely different outlooks for the season. And, Scott, I said it to you before we came in here, and I'll say it again. 
they built this team yesterday around a lineup that has Krejci in it, right? It has Krejci considered in that number two center role. Otherwise, I I don't understand the moves. If they're not expecting Krejci to come back, the moves don't make sense, right? Because the number one target would have had to be a center. Instead, they sign three left wingers that can play in other positions as well, but nobody that could fill in the second line center role. It was it was rumored early on in the day, and I'd love to hear the details on this, what, what broke down. Maybe it was the term length, but Blake Coleman was rumored to be coming to the Bruins, and then all of a sudden he's gone. He's off the board, and, and that was – I'm not sure who was reporting that, but there was some suggestions that the Bruins were in on him. Yeah, so that was so that was Elliot Friedman, who's obviously like as good as it gets. But it was so that was more of a predict, like an informed prediction from Friedman. It wasn't necessarily like a straight report of the Bruins are about to sign Coleman. But I mean, Friedman had the term right. He predicted six years by five million, and he was predicting that it was going to be from the Bruins. Whether the Bruins actually offered that or how close they got, it certainly seems like they were interested in him to some extent. Uh, but he ends up going, you know, six years, five million to Calgary instead, which I'm fine with the Bruins passing that up. Honestly, like I really like Blake Coleman. Uh, I've loved his game for a long time. He was a huge part of these last two Lightning Cup teams. But I'm totally fine with not giving him six years, thirty and, million. And he was really the only center that it was rumored the Bruins were in on, right? The only like pure and he, center. He hasn't even played center in a few years. Like he's played more on wings, so and, and even that would would have been like a risk if that's what they're looking. So at. even rumors didn't indicate the Bruins were going after a second line center or even a third line center that well, they thought could break into the second. Yeah, line. I mean the one the one rumor that would have fit is one we discussed on the podcast we did earlier this week, which was Christian Dvorak from Arizona, uh, which would have had to have been a trade. I guess, in theory, could still be in play. Dvorak has not been traded yet. But that was... You're right that it looks like they built this team with the idea that Krejci's coming back. Because otherwise, you at least would have, I think, gone after someone like Dvorak, who, as we said earlier this week, like, can be a number two center and probably hold his own if you need him to, or he's a really good number three center. Like, that's the kind of player I would have expected them to be going after if they were 50-50 on Krejci, if they were leaning towards he might not be back. And not only did they not go after that player, but they didn't even leave themselves any money to potentially address it later. No, and and that's a, that's a point, obviously. That's an issue for a later date, right? And there's been some talk about how teams are kind of going through this offseason a little bit differently, knowing what the Lightning were able to pull off last year, and that you go like pretty much completely uh, cap strapped. Like you go up to the line and you like dish contracts later, and you and you kind of play with it a little bit more than some teams were willing to, um, especially with this team. So I think that yeah, they're going to have to get rid of DeBruskin, you know, another another like two three million dollar contract if they want to sign Krejci. Yeah, and, you know... Because DeBrus, what, 3.7? Yeah, right around there. So then you need another 2 to $3 million in order to make space for Krejci with a little room to, to play around with. Yeah, because that's the other thing is we still don't know what Krejci's going to be looking for. Like, Ryan Getzlaff, who the Bruins have been connected to at one point, got one year, $4.5 to stay in Anaheim. And Krejci was much more productive than Ryan Getzlaff last year, so... If if Getzlaff's getting four and a half, then like Krejci, if he wants it, is getting at least five. See, I think yeah, I think he's come getting closer to six. But we've had this conversation before. It's less about money, more about whether or not he wants to play in the Czech Republic. And Ryan, I see you over there wow. making some faces. No, I'm just me and Scott. No, 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 no. I'm just think. I, I think I, I feel like the the market set that like Getzlaff getting four and a half. It's like that came out of left field. Like that sucks. Cause now, yeah, exactly. Krejci's going to be looking for more. I mean, centers I, always get more. And and I also think it's worth noting with Getzlaff that like Anaheim is a team that could afford to give him more because they're not, they might say like they're trying to win or whatever, but like they're not really going for it right now. And they're really bringing Getzlaff back more as continuing to be their captain and a mentor to, all the young players that are coming through the Ducks right now. Um, so a team like that, you can afford to maybe overpay a little if that's what it takes to keep a guy. Whereas like a team that's going for a cup, obviously you're not, you're much more cash strapped. You're much more up against it. So you're really looking to, 
negotiate, you know, every penny. So you bring up cash strapped, and that leads us to what I want to start off with, and that's in goal, because I think it's easiest to kind of break this down by starting a goal and working our way out. So fundamentally, this is exactly why I wanted the Bruins to, and I I admit it, it would have been a risk, but it was a risk I thought worth taking, which was to go into the year with Swayman and Vladar, and here's why. Last season, you were spending $10 million in goal between Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Going into this season, if you were able to have two goaltenders, and I think, and I understand Swayman would have been playing above his head as far as um, amount of games he's ever played in his career, especially at the pro level, but if you could have him and Vladar, you know, at like essentially league minimums, you would have had so much more room. First of all, you could have had a a lights out young goaltender, which is which is nice, but you would have had flexibility to fill out the rest of your roster. Now, what the Bruins elected to do was bring in Allmark, so because they want that that safety blanket of we want like somebody who can come in and and help us make the playoffs in one of our final years with this with this group. But here's the problem: like essentially, you have to ask yourself, what would you have rathered? Swayman and Vladar tandem with cap flexibility to fill the rest of your roster, perhaps get a top four left D in free agency. And obviously Krejci could have resigned and fill out the rest of your roster. Maybe maybe the bottom six, maybe you don't bring in a Hala, but maybe you bring in like somebody internal that you could just pl- plug in that role or whatever. Or would you rather have the security of having Linus Olmark in goal with Swayman as a backup, spending $20 million on this guy, now you're struggling to find a left shot defenseman in your top four, and you're struggling to resign Krejci. So it's like, so how are you supposed to make the playoffs if you don't have those two positions full? But at least you have Allmark, and I like Allmark as a player. I'm just saying, like, I don't necessarily agree with how they allocated their money uh, with with the cap space going into this offseason so far. So I think my initial reaction to Allmark was the same as just about everyone's just like, whoa, I didn't expect them to commit that to goalie. I have since, in the in the 24 hours since then, come around. Um I am completely okay with signing Lena Selmark to that contract. I think it's a good plan to have him and Swayman as your goalie tandem going into the season. Hopefully, if they both stay healthy and play well, your tandem for the whole season. And, you know, look, Rask is there. To me, I almost look at, regardless of what Sweeney says, I think Rask is now like break glass in case of emergency. It's like... If Omar gets hurt, if Swayman struggles, then maybe you bring Rask back in February or whatever it is. Uh, but if they're playing well and they're healthy, then you don't need Rask. Um, but I like what they did. I like the security uh, because Swayman and Vladar, one, I think it's pretty clear that they don't necessarily believe all that much in Vladar, or at least not that he can be like a one being a tandem, they might think he can be a true backup, but that means that Swayman is playing, you know, 70, 75% of the games, which is going to put him way more than he has ever played in a season. He has not played more than 35 games at any level. Uh, he played, I think 35 and 34, his two seasons, last two seasons at Maine, uh, had only has, you know, literally like a, less than 20 games of professional experience. And that would be a huge ask, not from talent because I'm sold on Swayman's talent. I think the Bruins are now that they've made the commitment to him being part of their NHL tandem. I know there had been talk that, you know, he might start the year in Providence or whatever. Trading Vladar, I think eliminates that. It's clear that they are planning to go with Swayman and Olmark. And I like that. I would not have liked saying, well, our plan is to is for Swayman to play 60 games because I think you, you'd really be risking him wearing down and not being able to handle that. And I can think of three other things that factor into this, the Allmark stuff. And I'm like you. I originally was somewhat confused about the deal, especially, you know, the fact that Linus Allmark has had some injury issues in the past. But so one big factor is the fact that Tuka got a surgery late. He just got his surgery that he was supposed to get about a month ago. And his timetable to return, we're looking at February in that ballpark if everything goes to plan. It's about a five, six-month recovery. 
period from that surgery. So obviously Tuca wasn't going to be the starter for the first several months of the season. And so that left them no choice but to go out and get another NHL-ready goaltender. And the re- another thing that people might be confused about is why trade Ladar? And the reason is because if he was to go back, if he was to start in Providence and then get called up to the Bruins on an emergency basis, then he would have to get waived. His contract would have to well, get waived. M- more than that, he would have had to have been waived to even be sent down to Providence in the first place. So so his because of that, they knew they were going to get nothing for him in the case that they had to waive him. So they got a third-round pick for him, which is a fair... It's a fair pick to get because then they could... Scott was explaining this earlier to me that it's smarter to get that third-round pick because then at the deadline... You throw that in in a deal mm-hmm. if you need to make a move at the trade deadline. So those are two important things: the the health of Tuca and not being able to come back until February, and and the Ladar thing. You know, people even if you are were a fan of Ladar, you liked what you saw from him. It was better off for the Bruins to get something in return. Right, I agree, and that's a good point. And uh, now you have a little third round pick if you like you said the deadline. But here's here. So I guess here's my question though, guys, is that. I understand the risk, and that's why I said it would have been a risk to go the route I was kind of saying earlier, right? Swayman's ever played 60 games in a season, and what? okay, I get that. But what's the upside? And again, I like Allmark, and, I'm, and, I, and I think I think they could have saved money elsewhere and still got Allmark. So like, it's not like I'm putting this on the Allmark contract solely. But, what, but what's the upside if you have Allmark, who's steady in goal? But again, you don't have... First of all, the Bruins don't really have the assets in their system to trade for really... I mean, they have to get real creative. They don't really have the assets to trade for a top-four defenseman now, and they still are up against the cap when it comes to re-signing Krejci. So it, what what good is all this if they can't get those positions solidified? And I'm sorry, but like, I don't really want to run the risk of waiting till the trade deadline to bring in... I don't want to do this center by committee. What the hell does that mean? For 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 seventy five percent of the season, and yeah. I don't want to like. It means you don't have a second line center. No, just I know. Like, just I know like what, by committee means in like every other sport. Like I know what it means. Come on, Don. You can't you can't say you that. don't you don't want to Stanley Cup by with center by committee. It's 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 it's, no. it's lip service, and I can't stand it. And and again, if if Creech, if they know Creech is coming back and how they're gonna do it, great. But we don't know those answers yet, so that's why it's it's frustrating for us. Look at this. So well, and yeah, and we'll we'll get back to it when a decision is made. We'll have a podcast first thing, you know, kind of going over the the final, or at least a semifinal roster, what it's going to look like heading into the season. But for now, we're going to just have to go through and say if if it's with Krejci and if it's not with Krejci, what's situation A and situation B? Right, and this is not their opening night roster. We all know that. So I guess, like I said, you know. I think the term on Allmark's deal tells me. I don't, look, I've been. This has been my opinion all along, and 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 people have been disputing me on Twitter, and I've seen differentiate differentiating opinions on Twitter as well. That you know the Bruins are gonna, and this is kind of probably what you thought, Scott. Maybe, but the Bruins are gonna sign this veteran goalie. It's gonna be him and Swayman, and they're gonna buy some time till Rask comes back. This whole scenario that Rask's coming back, I've personally, I haven't really seen it because him going surgery a month later. He's going to be rehabbing. It's, that's a lot to ask to, to him have him come back in March. I just never saw that happening, and I don't think it's going to happen. And I think the four years to Allmark tells us that. So you bring in Allmark, great. I, I don't really mind it um, because the term tells me that Tuca is not really in the future plans and it's going to be Swayman. And maybe you'll be at a point where you're paying Allmark to back up Swayman at f- uh, five million, whatever. Yeah, or or as I wrote today, like if you get t- two, three years from now and Swayman's your clear number one, and maybe you have another young goalie ready to back him up or you just don't want to commit that much money to the position like you can always trade Allmark assuming exactly. things don't go completely sideways but he signed through 31 it's not like this is like a 37 38 year old goalie no and, he's still 27 yeah and good goalies are teams are always looking for that like there is always a market to move a goalie uh i made the comparison that the the cuz on the last podcast, we had mentioned Darcy Kemper. I brought him up as a possible trade option. He had one year left in his deal. Arizona ended up getting a first and a third for Darcy Kemper, who has one year left on his deal, got a first and a third from Colorado. And that, like, I think Kemper is better than Olmark, but a kind of similar player in that, like, his numbers are really good. He's been on bad teams, 
and he has an injury history. Kemper has, outside of like one really great season, struggled to stay healthy. So, like, if that gets you a first and a third, you can get something for Allmark a couple of years from now if that's where you end up. He doesn't have a no trade clause or anything like that. So I don't, you know, people are saying like, oh, it's like swimming blocked for four, like stuck behind him for four years. I was like, no, he's not. Like if Swimming plays well and outperforms Allmark, he's going to be the starter. He's going to be the 1A of that tandem. Um, so, you know, I, like I guess I'm just like not too worried about about you're, that aspect of it. You're right. He he has a very tradable contract, and I and I, that's exactly how I see it playing out as well, Scott. Um, you know, e- like even if it's as soon as this year where Swayman takes the goal for the playoffs, like I, I yeah I could see Allmark being traded next year, the year after. Um, but so let's just so let's get into the specific moves now because um, like I said, bringing all bringing in Allmark is is great. Um, but I I don't love the fact so they had twenty. Maybe twenty one, but they had twenty million, I think, in cap space to work with heading into the opening day of free agency, and and you add F- Derek Forber, Eric Halla, Nosek, Felino, Allmark. You signed Riley a few days before. When when all the dust clears, you're left with less than two million dollars to sign Krejci. And so for me, I look at Nick Felino. I love the addition of him um, for a lot of intangible reasons, and I think that he's um, the kind of guy that you want in your third line ultimately. And I like the way Nosek has played in, in, in Vegas. Um, Eric Halla, I think that he definitely has potential to be a decent little 30-point player. But like, I, I feel like spending close to $3 million on him when you already have Charlie Coyle making good five as your third-line center, could you have not just like allowed Stanika to maybe mold into that third-line role? Did you need to get him, and did you need to get... Um, Forber at $3 million because now you're spending almost $6 million on those two players and could you, instead of getting those two, spend like five and a half or six on like a Jake McCabe or somebody to insert into your top four defense or like you said, Scott, before the podcast, maybe a more impact forward. I think they could have spent a little bit smarter with their cap space. But to to answer what you bring up about Stanika, Stanika is not on the third line of a championship team and that's at the end of the day, that's why they went out and spent for their third line. Because and this is something, Brian, that you've been a proponent of for as long as we've been doing this podcast and probably before that, that a championship team has a solid third line. And the Bruins didn't have that last year. They had a rotation. They almost had a third line by committee last year, if you think about it. they There was no chemistry in that line for most of the year because they kept switching it up. Sonika is not a third line winger for a championship team, and that's why... The third line has just been bolstered with the addition of Eric Holla and Nick Foligno, and they're win now. They're in win now mode. That's the only reason why you're seeing those kind of contracts. And I don't see Stanika as even you know a viable option in comparison to either so, of those so guys. To be fair, to be fair though, you know, Jack Stanika hasn't really gotten to show us everything he can do. He's putting on some pounds. He's that he. I I guess I'll put it this way. Jack Stanika, Eric Halla. I mean, is Eric? I know he's more experienced, and I, and he's he's got a pedigree. He was on a Vegas team that went to the game five or six of the Cup Finals, and he I think he had close to thirty goals that year. But to your point about Jack Stanika's not a third line winger on a championship team, I I don't not think, yet. Well, he's, he maybe but, could be in the future, but that future could be October. He could have a breakout year as a twenty-two, three-year-old. But I think that they yeah. they learned their lesson last season, and they went and tried some of their youth and their kids, and they tried to see whether or not they were there yet. And I think they learned their lesson that they weren't. How many people going into the last season would have predicted? Okay, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to win a Stanley Cup. Who's going to have the game-winning goal? Ross Colton. <laughs> who knew who Ross Colton was before the Cup Finals this year? I'm just saying, like there are well, players. Brian, that, you're willing to yeah. bank your whole season on that. I'm willing to. I'm willing to not take Eric Halla for it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So what do you think, the, the Halla signing is interesting to me because I almost view that as like, is that the DeBrusque replacement when they eventually, if they move DeBrusque, because they're kind of similar in that like they're both speedy. By the way, both streaky scorers. This is going to be something that, as a Bruins fan, you're going to have to deal with in hollow like i was thinking earlier i was like either Halla is going to get off to a very slow start and people are going to be like what the hell like what a waste of money and then he'll get hot at some point later on or he's going to start hot and everyone's going to lose their minds and then he's going to cool down at some point 
So, like, I almost view that as, like, if you lose, to, if you trade DeBrus, then Hollow makes sense to, like, potentially plug in as your third-line left wing. But I also feel like you could have waited on that. Like, I, I, I'm with Brian. Like, I don't think you needed to sign Eric Haller right now. He's a player that I, I'm personally not a huge, huge fan of. Like, I think he's fine. Uh, I don't think he's going to hurt you. Like, I think he brings effort and all that. Um, well, wasn't that kind of the point, too, Scott? We were talking about this earlier, too. You you had a good point about the fact that they were upgrading people on this roster based off of effort. Yeah, because how many times last season did Bruce Cassidy, Cassidy mention passengers, and specifically passengers at the bottom of his lineup, where that should never happen? Like, if, if you have star players who sometimes, you know, coast and take a night off or whatever... You kind of, you know, take a deep breath and accept it because you know that their production is going to be there. Guys fighting for playing time, like a Jake DeBrusque, should never, like, you should never have to question their effort. And so I think at least the Bruins went out and got guys who give effort. Like, I don't think Felino, Hala, uh, Noshek, like, those guys aren't going to be passengers. They're going to bring it. So at least you got that. But I just feel like someone, Felino, I get because that. Like, Felino and Noshek in particular, I think, are kind of, like, character guys that really bring sort of an identity. We talked last season about how the fourth line didn't have an identity at times. Like, Noshek can help give it that. So I get that. I just, to Brian's point, like, I feel like Hala probably could have waited on, or you could have seen if there was something else you could have done with that money. Like, I, I just don't think you really needed to do that on the first day of free agency. And and I guess I, I, I want to clarify my point earlier as well, because first of all, a third line addition for a championship team is like the quintessential trade deadline move, right? So like Jack Sanika wouldn't have to be the championship third liner. He could just be a stopgap to get you through a lot of the season. But it's not so much about Jack Sanika being a third line championship winger to start the year. It's about not having to pay for Hollis contract and being able to allocate that to your second line center and David Krejci because if you don't have David if you don't have David Krejci if 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 you don't have David Krejci then it's all it's all for naught you need that second line center and I just think that they could have they could have been a little bit more conservative when they chose to pay for three million for Forbert and two point seven five for Halla when they are clearly up against the cap trying to pay Krejci now for all we know Krejci told them that he's not coming back. We just don't. I'm, but or I'm going for, or this. for all we know, he said he's coming back at three million. You know what I mean? Like he's coming back cheaper. Just, Fair, but they still have to clear another yeah, which me, million and, and two to do that. And it looks or, like, and I've heard from different people that I know are a little bit tapped into this that Jake DeBrusk is on the table still, and they are working out. They are they are taking offers for Jake DeBrusk currently, and so that's a contract that could be moved. And that's like I said earlier, three point seven. But you, but if you're tra- so if you're trading DeBrus to move his contract, you must be paying him. I mean, you must be trading him, Scott, for like next probably future draft picks yeah. because that way you, you don't you're not taking any salary yeah. back. You're probably getting yeah. What do you even think you could get in terms of draft capital? I don't. I mean, I said early in the off season, like if you could get a third rounder around the draft, ideally like aim for a second rounder, but maybe you have to settle for a third. Um I still feel like that, like, a mid-round pick is probably the minimum. Like, I'd be shocked if you didn't get at least that, despite how bad his last season was, obviously. But, I mean, like, look, he is still young. He is still a player who has a 27-goal season under his belt. Teams are always looking to take chances on on bounce backs from guys. So, like... Changes of scenery can help yeah, players. Some, some, you know... No playoff team, no cup contender is probably going to give you anything for him. But some rebuilding team like in Arizona or, you know, whoever, like someone would take a chance on him. So, I mean, DeBrusque has 134 points in 244 career games. As a former first-round pick, I mean, yeah, I think I think Scott's probably on the money with that, like a third-rounder. I mean, ideally you'd like to get second a second-rounder. And honestly, if Jake DeBrus like had a half decent last calendar year as a former first rounder, twenty plus goal scorer, he could have brought you a, a, a decent roster player in return or something like that. But yeah, so you're right. So if they're getting rid of DeBrusque, it has to be a salary dump to be able to afford Krejci. And in order for it to be a salary dump, you can't 
bring back somebody in a debrush crate because you'll be you'll be paying them, and and there goes the salary dump aspect of it. So unless there's adding in another salary like a John Moore, but he's on long term IR, so he wouldn't be applicable to that, right? Or or you're like throwing an asset or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with Moore. Like, he ended the season on IR. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be healthy for the start of the year or if he's going right back to IR. Um, you know, we, like, we might as well get to this now. Like, their, their defense, they okay, they signed Forbort. It's still pretty thin. Like, you're... <laughs> this defense sucks. Your <laughs> defense is very, very average. Very average. I think... If you just had just the strict top six that they have right now, and it probably lines up like Grizzly McAvoy, Riley Carlo, forward Clifton, I think is a fine defense. It's definitely not great. I think it might be maybe slightly better than like your top six last year. Um, but you're now one injury away from Jakob Zaborl or John Moore, or I guess like Earl Vakaninen playing. And those guys aren't; those guys didn't, didn't get it done last year. I don't. I personally don't have much reason to believe they're going to get it done this year. Well, I don't have any reason to believe they're going to be healthier. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna end up with stretches of the world. We're gonna end up with you know maybe a month at a time. If if you know they they lost so many people last season. Grizzly goes down a lot. Uh, Carlo goes down fairly often, and and they're gonna have to switch things up. I I do like. Riley Carlo as a pairing, but Scott, you said that Riley. You don't see Riley as a top four defenseman. I don't either. I well, so I, here's what I would say. I see Grizzly and Riley as like se- like second pairing defense. So I guess top four, but like closer to the four than a two for both of them. And forward, I see as a third pairing guy. I think any of those three on any given night can play. 20 minutes um but none of them but you still don't have a true top pairing left shot defenseman and that you know like that's what everyone's saying is gonna be like they're gonna try to find cam neely calls it that elusive left d talking about you know a guy who can play in all situations ideally you're pairing him next to mcavoy and then that would have bumped kind of everyone else down where it would have been grizzly next to carlo and then either riley or some other third pairing d that you sign you know, on your third pairing. Uh, instead, now it's this Grizzly Riley forward rotation, and I see people saying like they still need another D. Yeah, they do, but again, no cap space, and if they free up any cap space, it's going to be to get cr- sign Krejci. So I don't see how you're adding anything to this defense at this point. It seems to me like this is the defense you have, and again, if you if you want to argue that the top six with no injuries is slightly better than last year's top six. Sure. And that comes, that basically comes down to whether you think four boards an upgrade over Lausanne, which I'll concede. He's probably a little better, but it is by no means like any sort of significant improvement at all. And if you get an injury, then it probably becomes worse because you're, you're thinner. Yeah. And your defensive depth depth, you, whether or not you thought Kevin Miller had it in the tank anymore, he was there and now he's retired and, Jeremy Lozon, whether or not you thought he was um, an adequate NHL defenseman, he would at least have been there uh, to come in in relief had he not been uh, taken by the Kraken. So uh, you lost two guys just right there, and more, like we mentioned, is on IR. So there's three guys that used to be coming in off off the sidelines at you know seventh, eighth, ninth defenseman potentially for this kind of team, and they're not they're not available anymore. So yeah, they. They've not addressed the problem that we got. We get Twitter questions about, which is, you know, how can we be sure that the team's going to have that kind of depth at defense and have be able to deal with it better than last year? The answer is, it's if not, gotten worse. So this brings me full circle to the to the um, situation that I would have done, which would have been go cheap at goaltender when they're still on their uh, ELCs because. Let's just say hypothetically, you did not sign Allmark to five million. You did not sign Forbert, and you just had like you know uh, Zaboro play up or whatever. Um, and you didn't sign Halla. Okay, so that's like you know eleven ish million dollars in cap space that you would have had available if you had 
a cheap goaltending tandem, and you were a little bit smarter with your free agent signings because you could have still had Felino, you could have still had Nosek, and you could have had the money to go out and either pay um, a top top four left wing defense uh, left shot defenseman, or you'd have that money to be able to pay them if you traded for one. And I just think like they they have no options. They, yeah, like, they have and, no and money. Look, they have no assets. They have uh, nothing. Also worth noting that. Getting a, a true like top pairing left shot D was going to be extremely difficult this offseason. Jamie Alexiak signed with Seattle before free agency started. Alec Martinez re-signed in Vegas before free agency started. We had the Ryan Suter debate. Do you go to four years on him? We talked about that last podcast. The money certainly ended up manageable. Three and a half million a year uh, for Dallas, who did go to four years, so signed him through age 40. But, you know, look... I, for all we know, Ryan Suter might have said, I don't really want to go to Boston. For whatever reason, who knows. But that was about it. Uh, Alex Adler ended up getting one year, $5 million. That's one I would have looked at. I would have considered, you know, again, be a little smart with some of these other signings. I, I think you can still sign Olmark, but maybe you're only signing, you know, one of four border Riley. Maybe you're not signing Halla, and, like, there's your $5 million to sign Alex Edler. Uh, who I think is better than Forbort. Um, you know, but... Yeah, up- I see... I, you're right, Scott. I see that as potentially... That that could have been a better option for them when you think about it that way. And But again, also worth noting, like, for all we know, Alex Edler didn't want to come to the East Coast. Yeah. He's been in Vancouver's whole career. He signs in L.A. So. That's what we don't know, uh, uh, obviously. But guys, how about this? You signed Derek Forbort for 3-3, three and three, but McCabe goes to Chicago for 4-4. Four and four. I would have rather had McCabe. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like how? For like, sure. Like, could did he just like did Donnie not know how to pitch Boston to him? Like, did, that's what I'm saying. Did you have to freaking sign like Halla? Did you have to sign Forbert? Like, that's what I'm saying. It's almost like it, it's almost like you know um, Donnie was a kid in a candy shop and his parents gave him twenty bucks and said, "Hey, you know, be smart." And he said, "No, nah, screw it. I'm gonna buy this, this, this." It's like, what are you doing? Like, you could have gotten one box of chocolates for for a little bit less than the whole half the store. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, again, it just wasn't I think smart. It's, it's clear that he targeted guys who are going to last year too often, including the playoffs. They got nothing from the bottom of their roster. There was no identity there. They didn't score, and too often they were just there. And it was all right. We got to get back to our top guys for the next shift. Like, so it's clear that he targeted guys who are going to bring. Some sort of attitude, something different that they didn't have last year. And he did that. I just, I don't think it needs to be three forwards. I think two would have been fine. Um, You know, it it was just, it was really aggressive to do all of that on day one. To sign all these guys without signing like a true impact difference maker. In terms of like, like playing in a top six role or top four defense. And I, that's where I think it's frustrating is because this team, you know, needed more than depth. And, and again, we'll come back to the crazy thing. Like, Hey, if Krejci's back, you have a good team here. I think maybe a little better than last year because you're going to have better depth, uh, at least up front. But it, if he's, if crazy's not bad, then like, then forget it. Then what was all this yeah. for? You just spent, then I don't know what you were doing. You just spent ten and a half million dollars on your bottom six and your bottom pair defense, and it's like not for nothing. I'm all for you know picking and choosing your spots to pay for those positions. But guys, honestly, those are positions that more more often than not could and should be occupied through drafting and developing and for cheap. To spend ten and a half million dollars on a couple third slash fourth liners and a sixth defenseman to me. When you have when you when you don't have a top four defenseman that you could have had because they were out there and available in free agency, and look is Jake McCabe a bona fide like awesome top four left defenseman? I mean, he's like you know he's at he's he's an average top four left defenseman. Okay, I'm not saying he's a he's a you know world beater back there, but he's but he would have filled a need for now. And like again, you still have to sign Krejci. So it it's almost like Don just like was just given free reign to go spend here and there, but you have you still have some very important positions that aren't full, and you don't have the assets to trade for them or the money to pay for them. And I don't know. It's like you're you're. This is if Bergeron hangs him up next year. This is your last go at it. And if you don't have Krejci, you, you don't have a chance. 
or somebody who's similar to or better. Um, so I don't know. Like, and it's it's hard because I actually player for player, I like all the players that they've picked up. Okay, it's not that I don't like them as players, but it's about like like I said, could you if, could Oscar Steen or could a combination of Oscar Steen and, and Jack Sanika give you what Eric Hall gives you in one in one year? Could you plug and play with those players? Like, did you have to do spend on these guys? I just don't know if they did on all. Felino Nosek, I'm I sign off on those because those like like I said, pick and choose your battles. I like those two additions, and I'm okay paying for those two guys. Um, and I'm okay paying with Allmark too, as long as you didn't sign the other guys, so you could have still room to sign Krejci for sure. I don't know. This is why Don is polarizing because like he does some good things, but he also does things that make no sense. Like this team, and it's one of the questions we have posed to ourselves here, but like. Is this team any better off than they were when the season ended? Well, and and so I guess this is a perfect time to kind of go through what the lines would actually look like, right? In terms of understanding what what Brian's talking about, in terms of like seeing what it would actually look like on the ice. And obviously, first line is the same as usual: Marshawn Bergeron, Pasternak, and then second line. I'm just gonna do this first round, assuming Krejci's back. Uh, Hall, Krejci, Smith, and then third line of a rotating, like, in no particular order, Felino coil Hala. That would be the line. But in no particular order, because these guys can play wing or center. So it's going to be one of those lines that gets, you know, tossed around a little bit. And then a fourth line of Nosek, Frederick, maybe Frederick at center, or possibly Lazar at center. Um, I mean, those are three centers, I believe, on one line. Yes, yeah. they all could play center. So. Well, no sick is probably going to be the left have is They have plenty of guys who can take faceoffs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. They definitely do. Yeah. And and so then on defense, it would be girls like McAvoy, Riley, Carlo, Forbort, Clifton. Um, I guess more focusing on that like third and fourth line, the bottom six. I think that third line is unquestionably better. The third line is better. Um, but again, like your hypothetical is assuming that they have Krejci. So like yeah. it, it really doesn't make any sense if you don't like play with that hypothetical. Yeah, look, the, so here so yeah, it's it, it's just a straight up worse team if if he's not there. Like yeah, then, I mean, yeah. Then everything we're talking about about whether they got better or addressed the right it needs. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, like, it all it, it all goes out the window because you're you're worse like you finally for a couple months had a complete second line. Where like all these years you've had Krejci and no good wings for that line, you finally got the wings, and like you cannot now go into the next season without the center. Like you, you can't have good second line wings and no second line center. And you know, I look. I know Cole's going to be healthier. Uh, he had a, an, a knee procedure done after the season. Let's even say okay that. Like, that's a big reason why he struggled last year. Don't know if it is, but let's give him that. Let's it, say, you know, that that's a major cause of why he struggled last and year. And the chemistry issues, like I said, with the rotating cast. So, like, sure. say this this cast of Felino Coil Hala, if it can be together consistently, maybe we see progress there, too. Yeah, but, like, all right, even if... So, if Crazy if Krej doesn't come back, like, Coil is the guy that you're most likely looking at moving up. And even when he has been good, like, the only stretch where he has ever looked like someone who might possibly be a number two center was, like, late in the 2019-20 season, just before the pause, where there was, like, a good stretch there where he was actually playing more minutes per game than Krejci. Mm-hmm. And he was playing he was playing well during that stretch, for sure. He was playing confident. But, like, that's about it in... in pretty long career where I think we have a pretty good idea of what Charlie Coyle is. And when he's on his game, he's a good number three center. Asking him to be a number two center is just like you were just setting yourself up for disappointment. It was what they hoped for, but not what they're going to get. No. Yeah, like, look, he's getting paid like someone who should be able to move up onto the second line, but that's just not the player he's been, and it's it's almost unfair to even ask him to to be that. Like, But just one quick point, Brian. Um, the Just looking at, I pulled up the starting lineup from Game 6 against the Islanders, the Bruins' last game mm-hmm. of the 2020-2021 season, and the third line in that game was DeBrusque, Coyle, Kuhlman. Felino Coyle, Howla looks a whole lot better than that. Yeah, it does. 
And but again, that's <laughs> assuming there's a crazy on the <laughs> yeah. second line in front of yes. Look, 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 look. Here, here's here's the fact of the matter is that you know last year for the most part of the season, well, actually the second half of the season, the Bruins had a bona fide top six and a very blah bottom six. Okay, as it stands as we speak, okay, their bottom six is great. Now their top six is incomplete again, and this is and no matter. Here, I'll put it to you this way. The Bruins could have the 1980 Soviet Union lines one through four on offense right now. Okay? The fact of the matter is they aren't winning shit if they don't have a top four left defenseman. Okay? They aren't winning. And, and, the, and here's, the, here's the bigger problem is that the Bruins have one of the worst prospect pools, thinnest prospect pools in the entire National Hockey League. So, number one, they don't really have the collateral to go out and trade for a guy. Okay, but if they do, they're going to be giving up one or two of the best of their very limited prospect pool. And so, like, if you're going to go out there and get a left shot defense in midseason, okay, chances are they're going to want, you know, maybe a future first or like maybe a Lysel or a Beecher or a Stanika. And Beecher and Stanika are the only two guys that you have in your system that are future centers, and they're both projected at like third and second line centers. Like they're they are porked right now, and I don't I don't know. Well, I'm getting more pessimistic the more I keep yeah, talking about Brian's it. Brian's talking about <laughs> because their defense. <laughs> Can you imagine if they lose McAvoy this year? Like their defense, guys. Their defense is like. Well, there are a few scenarios where the season is is pretty much done ski anyway, and losing McAvoy is well, one of those situations. And I guess that goes. So it's, it's either they, way. With they the they could have the best D in the league with McAvoy. If they lose McAvoy, I guess that scenario still stands. So I shouldn't really say that. Um, but I guess my point is, like, even if they bring back Krejci, I don't see how they're going to improve their their top four defense, even if it's via trade, unless they mortgage the future. And, I guess, look, if you're trying to win this year, fine, but you better win it this year then if they do that. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like they decided that, all right, like, one issue they've had is obviously getting banged around on the forecheck by other teams. And it's like... All right, like, Forbort, you know, should help that. Like, he's a guy who's been there and handled that. But it's almost like they decided that, like, the answer to that, it wasn't getting stronger on the back end because, look, I like Mike Riley, but if you wanted to get bigger, stronger on the back end, not re-signing him was, like, a pretty obvious place where you could have made that transition. And it would have probably been something that, on paper, would not have looked like an upgrade. Like... Mike Riley on a three-year, three million dollar deal in a vacuum is a great signing. Like that's great value signing. I like that deal on its surface. But like, weren't weren't we all talking about how they need to get tougher back there, or guys who are going to hold up better, or you know, be able to be more physical, take hits, whatever? Well, they obviously came to the conclusion that nope, like Riley still has a spot here, and. We still like what he brings, and we still want that as part of our defense, which is understandable because when they were missing that before they traded for Riley, it was very noticeable, right? It was really noticeable when they only had one left-shot defenseman who could skate and move the puck in, in Grizzly, obviously. He, he passes the eye test, right? Scott and I were at a lot of the games last year, and after the deadline, watching him skate with the puck, the you could just see the potential that's there with his ability to move the puck and get shots on goal because... One of the issues they were having with some of their other defensemen was they weren't getting pucks through to net, and Riley was consistently getting pucks through to the net. Whether or not it produced a rebound out in front, that's what they were looking for. That was something that they liked from his game. I don't think this signing is as bad as some people, it sounds like you guys. It's... Um, think of the signing. I, I like his style of play. The league has a place for puck-moving, fast-skating defensemen, and I like the signing of Riley. I, I don't see that as... A huge problem obviously he's not that tough defenseman but they could have addressed that with you know another move that didn't that didn't end up uh meaning they didn't have to sign riley this is this is what i think and i think this is might be where scott's coming from too it's not that i don't like mike riley on my team it's just that i want him on the third line no i don't third think pair. i don't think i need both him and grizzly like i i, I don't need redundancy there like, like grizzly like, 
to spend. Th- but like, they're not the same. They're not. They're not no, the no, same no, player. No, and they're Grizzly not. doesn't get shots on goal. Like get shots through. They're as not. But some one of them has to go. Like like I don't need both of them. Like because the problem is like you look at your right side and you have McAvoy and he's your he's your first right-handed defenseman and he's a top tier number one defenseman. And then Carlo is a top-tier number two right defenseman. And then Clifton slots in as an average third right defenseman. But then you look at the left side, and they're all they're all playing a pair above what they probably should be. Like, Mike Riley should be probably a third left shot. Grizzlick should be a second left shot. And Forbert should be an extra left shot, probably, if you had a legit top— uh, if you had a legit left side. I mean, honestly, that's probably uh, yeah. the case. I mean, I think Forbert's fine on third pairing. But, but don't your, you understand? To, I'm, don't yeah. you feel the same way? Like something with Riley and Grizzly together just doesn't fit. Yeah, because it's it's like there's a difference between right now on your left side you have three guys who can play 20 minutes a night, and that adds up to 60. And it's like, well, okay, like that's fine. That's better than having like two 20 minute guys and a 15 minute guy. But it's like those those players, those minutes, like aren't created equal. Having someone who can play 24, 25 is like better and more valuable than just having, like, three 20-minute guys who are all kind of, you know, number four or five defensemen. Um, and they're they're obviously still missing that. So, you know, like, like I said earlier, those guys were going to be hard to find. And I don't think the Bruins clearly didn't want to go back to having, like, two physical... Um, you know, maybe slower left D, not great puck movers. Like you mean clearly, they didn't they, want clearly they still wanted the two puck movers. Otherwise, they would have just let Mike Riley walk. Like, so. Bridget, like Bridget, how much better does this sound? Okay, hypothetically, top pairing, left side, Jake McCabe, right side McAvoy. Second pairing, left side Grizzly, right side Carlo. Third pairing, left side Forbert, right side Clifton. Like that, it just it makes more. It's more cohesive and it's like there's, there's just there, there's no like identity on the Bruins blue line right now and there's just there, there's not enough good there's not there aren't enough game changers back there and like and I again well, they heavily it's true they heavily rely on McAvoy yeah right? the, they lean on McAvoy and they lean on Carlo when he's healthy um maybe they're hoping that because those guys are you know uh right D on the first pairing and right D on the second pairing, that those guys can kind of carry the pairing a little bit, and you see them do that last season. They expect McAvoy to kind of set up set up the play and uh, Grizzly to kind of fall in. So they're, McAvoy's the leader on that top pairing and kind of carries it a little bit. And same thing with Carlo when he's healthy. I think they look at him to do that a little bit too. Here's another problem. Scott, I'm looking at their, at their depth chart on defense, right? Like... Vakaninen or Zaboral, like one of these guys, if not both, should have been in the Bruins in the Bruins top six at this point. Like they're they're not they're not eighteen, like they shouldn't even be in a position where like like they're signing six million dollars in Riley and Forbert. Like these guys well, they, are in their I system and they're just sitting there. They're just sitting there idle. I think well, Vakaninen is a miss at this point. I I'm starting to really sour on him. And Zaboral is too. I mean, look, maybe he's your seventh, eighth D or whatever, but. He was drafted in 2015. Like, if, I'm sorry, but if Zaboral's going to be any sort of regular NHL defenseman, it would have already happened. Which is why I I'm thought they should have s- traded him a few years ago before the rest of the league figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, honestly. Same like, thing with Jacob but um, I'd I mean, rather see Jack Ashan. Like, I know he's also a small, uh, quick, puck-moving defenseman, but Vakaninen was not the answer last year when he had to come in and take up a little bit of time. He hasn't gotten many looks because he's not ready. And I don't. I, I think the Bruins are souring on him as well. So I I don't know. I don't, I, it's thin back in Providence as well. I don't see where Sean fits into there. No. I mean, look, they're trying to win a Stanley Cup this season. And oh, that, I don't mean regularly, but in terms yeah, of like well, that fill in like six games a year. They're gonna get thin. I mean, they're gonna get thin. I mean, it happens every season, every team, like except for the Islanders apparently, um, where you have injuries in the back end. Um, again, and that's a problem. Like, I don't know. Actually, Scott, you said that you might like their defense better this year than last year. Like. Last year, going into the season, it's like I like their D better. Like you had Miller, you had Lozon, you had some I, size and grit. I like the straight top six better because essentially it's the same top four as what you finished the year with. Obviously, Grizzly like McAvoy, mm-hmm. Riley Carlos. So then it's yeah. If you're looking at on your third pairing, would you rather have Forbort and Clifton or some combination of 
Lozon Miller, Lozon Clifton, Clifton Miller, whatever. Like it was, I, to Nor- and it was Tenorti Clifton at the end. Yeah, like I actually will take uh, Forbort and Clifton, but as a whole, like as a whole unit, understanding that at some point during the season you're going to get down to your eighth or ninth defenseman. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's worse because I don't think you have like another quality NHL defenseman who you who you can plug in in the case of injury. So. If if you don't end up adding anything else to this group somehow some way, then you better hope they all stay healthy because it's I don't I don't want Zaboro playing a long stretch. I don't think John Moore has anything left. Even when he was healthy last year, early in the season, he really struggled. Uh, we mentioned Vakaninen. I don't think's going to get there. And like, there's not much. Ashan, okay, fine. He's a nice skilled player. He's not playing regularly at any point. Like, they just don't have it. So it's it's a very thin group, and even that top six is only marginally better than last year. And if you if you want to sit here and, and tell me and make the case that it's worse, like I'm not even gonna really fight hard because it's. I mean, like I said, it's it's marginal. Look, look at look at like the Montreal Canadiens. Okay, to me, they're. They're they're not even an elite team in the NHL, but they went to the Cup Finals last year. You can say however they got there, however they got there, fine. But look at the two teams that went to the finals last year. Okay, the Canadians' defense, right? Their offense sucked, but their defense had Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, Ben Sherratt, uh, the Romanov kid who wasn't bad. Um, uh, you know, like Gustafson's not bad, but they had Kulak. They had, uh, they had some size. Uh, Edmondson, like that was a decent, you know, six seven defense when they rolled out there. You look at Tampa Bay. Hedman, McDonough, um, Chernak, Sergachev, Ruda, like, come on. So now I'm looking at the Bruins, and I'm looking at Derek Forbert, Matt Grizzlick, Mike Riley. Like, honestly, Matt Grizzlick as your top left defenseman cannot happen. He needs to be a second-pair defenseman. Well, it can eventually. It can happen at 5-on-5 five five because, look, we know that that five-man unit last year of the top line and Grizzlick and McAvoy together was dominant. Like, they just spent a ton of time in the offensive zone and created a ton of chances. So I'm fine with that at 5-on-5. Five five. And then that's where, like, Forbord comes in as a guy who's going to kill penalties. You needed that, especially losing Lozon and Miller, who were two, two of your top penalty killers. Lozon specifically led the team in shorthanded ice time. Um, so, yeah, so Forbord fills that need, the penalty kill need, the defensive zone draws tough assignments which he's gotten a lot of throughout his career like he's used to that and he's held up fairly well under those circumstances so that's where i'm like i think that helps round it out a little bit because i never really trusted lozon in those matchups like you always felt like there was just there, were a just, few... there was a mistake right around the corner i mean how familiar are you guys with forbert because i like obviously i haven't really seen much of him he was in winnipeg he was in la like you, you sound like you're more familiar with him than I am. I mean, I honestly have never saw him play a full game. I just watched some highlights on him. Yeah, I but mean, like, I can't a I, little bit. I'm not like I'm not going to pretend I've watched all his games, but yeah, I think he's he's like I can't used... say he's better than Lozon. I watched Lozon for two years. Like I can't say that about Forbert. So I mean, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, I think right now he is. If you wanted to tell me that Lozon's going to be better in two years, then like that's entirely possible. Um, I think right now Forbort's better, and he specifically those shutdown assignments I mentioned, like being out against top competition in the D zone. He's done that, and he's held up in those situations. And I think is like even if he gets pinned into his own zone, I don't think he's going to make mistakes. Like he's, I think he's a pretty smart player, and by all accounts, like a good like team leader, character guy, all that stuff too. So. I'm fine with that, but again, it's it just comes back to like you just still don't have that clear top pairing, lefty, yep. and maybe you weren't going to be able to find it, and that's why you settled for for what you settled for, and signed Forbord and Riley, which again, as a, just a strict top six, I'm okay with. I think that's fine, definitely not great. My concern is what happens when you ine- inevitably run into injuries. Well, if you, yes, and, and yeah, I mean, for sure, and that goes for every team. So I think my my last thing, and then you guys can take over to finish up, um, I'll be optimistic for a second, okay, because... Okay, good. Well, well I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, 
defense wins championships, and their defense is just not great right now. So it's that's why I'm harping on it because I know what it, I know what it's going to take them to win, and they don't have it on the back end right now. And quite it's frankly, gonna be, it's going to be a conversation we have all season. Quite frankly, I don't know how they're going to get it. So I think going into the trade deadline next year, if this is their current defense and if they're relatively healthy, I mean they're they won't they don't really need any. Um, anything up front. So what I was going to say, optimistically, I think in goal, they're all set. Okay? You're good. You're good in goal. Um, up front, if they find a way to sign Krejci, I think that I would put their forward group, 1 through 12, up against any in the league. I truly would. I think if you re-sign Krejci, your top two lines are as legit as any. I think uh, a combination of Hala and Coyle and, and, and Felino. um is certainly will be up there with any third line if they're all playing to their ceilings. And then their fourth line, I, I like that too. So they're good in goal. Sign Krejci. They're one of the best offensive teams, I think, up front. You just need to find that left that left shot top four defenseman. And if and it has to be before the trade deadline next year. And if they can do that, then they're in good shape. Well, question but I don't know how they're going to. Question for both of you then. With the team built the way it is now plus Krejci, um... Where did the Bruins end up in their division and, and in the in uh, in the conference next season? Uh, I think they would be the second best team in the division behind Tampa. Tampa got worse, but I don't think so much worse that they fall below you. Um, but yeah, I think you'd be better than Toronto and better than Montreal. Florida's sneaky good, but I think you'd be ahead of them too. So, I think you'd be right there, and like you might be neck and neck with Tampa, like especially in the regular season, and them coming off another deep run. Like I could see Tampa, you know, maybe going through the motions at times, and you know, they'll put someone on long term IR at some point again. But <laughs> you know, um, yeah, like I think you'll be right there, and I don't think you'd be far off from competing with Tampa. So you would have a really good team. You would be, I don't know, top five to seven in the NHL. You'd be in good shape. And then it would come down to, okay, what kind of tweaks do you make like, at the trade deadline during the season? Set and, yourself up for a playoff run. And and hope that, unlike this past playoffs, that you could string more together and, and have your top line show up a little bit well, more. And, and stay healthy. Stay healthy. <laughs> what? what? I will say, um, uh, I think an uh, intangible people are kind of overlooking with some of the players that struggled last year across the entire league. Um, like, Charlie Coyle will be better offensively this year because, don't forget, last year it was kind of like mini playoff series. You were playing the same seven teams. Everybody knew each other. There's a, you can, you're going to have improved production from everybody, I think, when you're playing, you know, a bunch of teams only once or twice, and like you're traveling around a normal schedule. Like that's that's when teams get um, you know players put up points. Like you know, Coyle's not going to be going up against the Islanders three three games of four nights and just getting shut down. Like he'll be playing his cupcakes in Arizona and you know like Ottawa. Like they're going to be playing teams they weren't playing last year. So um, if they have Krejci, um, you know, I guess there's a ton of variables that could happen. Like. Like Scott said, Tampa could have a little hangover, and they have one back-to-back cups. Like they might just take their time. Um, the Bruins could have injuries in the back end. Toronto always plays well in the regular season. Like I could see Toronto winning the division and bowing out again. Um, I guess I'll say this: Bruins, Tampa, Florida, um, Maple Leafs. In no particular order would would be my top four in the division. Well, top three in a wild card. Um, yeah, I'm with Scott. I guess I could see the Bruins finishing anywhere from first to third. Um, I don't see them being a wild card. I see them being one of the top three and in a league, in a league top t- top ten t- team in a league. But that doesn't mean that so you're a cup contender. Like you, like there's 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 the t- there's like top ten in the league, and then there's cup contenders, which are like the top three or four. And the Bruins will have to improve somewhere along the way. Well, yeah. On the think blue about line. the Penguins. They came into they came into the playoffs this year high, and then Jari, you know, just couldn't handle the pressure or whatever the heck that was going on with him, and they just fell right out of it. So yeah, you're right. He they weren't built as a playoff team, even though they ended the regular season up high. I mean, for the record, I if Krejci's back, I do think this team could be a cup contender. With the current defense? If it stays healthy, yes. Okay. Or, or 
I should say if it's health like healthy at the right time. Yeah, if it's healthy at playoff time, yes. Um I do think that because I don't think anyone Tampa as we mentioned has come back to the pack. They've lost some key pieces. Um not- most notably Yanni Gord who was and Blake Coleman and Goodrow for that man. They lost their entire third line. And yes, they have good players who can plug in because unlike the Bruins, they actually have had a system where like guys push up from the minors and come in and play. Um, but they're not going to be as good as last year. So that gap can close a little and anything can happen in a playoff series. The, you know, the lightning got taken to seven by an Islanders team that, uh, really just kind of got hot at the right time, like had been struggling down the stretch in the regular season. I don't think at the start of the playoffs, anyone really thought they were a truly like serious cup contender. And then they turned into one. Like they just played their best at the right time. And you need that to happen. Obviously like you need some luck, you need health, but yeah, I think they, I would have liked for them to have made more impactful moves instead of depth moves. Obviously that top four D we, keep talking about but i still think you could be there i still think this team with crazy could be there again without him completely different story now to me like you're battling now you might be a wild card team like you might yeah be more in that fourth position in your division my, my rebuttal to that scott and is ultimately why i would have to disagree is that um even if they were healthy at the right time three of the bruins top six defensemen either aren't big enough or tough enough, I feel, to win three rounds to get to the finals. Like, And when I say tough enough, I don't mean like, you know, they they, they leave the game because they block a shot. Like, they're not tough to go back out there. I mean, like, legit, like, cl- like, like Clifton, Clifton and Grizzly are two, they're, they're smaller in stature. And then Riley's a little bit bigger in stature, but he's a little bit softer. And so... That, to have half your decor have one of those combinations to me isn't a, isn't a good enough, and like which is why they they I like Clifton, but like they can improve on their third D right side too. Um, but I, I look, but, they're but, not done. They're not done yet. Like we'll we'll see what they do before the season, and then in the season too. Yeah, and, and no team has it perfectly played out. You know, like everybody's going to have to sacrifice in certain areas, and and just at this point hope for the best, hope that this was the right combination of additions uh, to add here in the offseason and like like they did last year, make the right adjustments once they realize what worked and what didn't work at the yeah. deadline. So um, obviously we're going to follow it closely all season, follow the Rask stuff. Um, There'll be nothing to follow and, on that front. And Well, you know, that's just something that at the end of the season we were, you know, that was a big question mark, and we may or may not already have our answer on that, um, but maybe not. Uh, And, yeah, so I think we pretty much covered everything in terms of uh, what we can talk about before we know what happens with David Krejci. Shoes to drop, skates to drop still. There's still Mm -hmm. some skates to drop, and we'll have a podcast as soon as we figure out if he's here or if he is not. (laughs) 